Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Running Technique Tips podcast, the season where we're talking all things road racing and cross-country uh, racing and training with Lisa Biffin, who's actually been doing some running. How are you going, Lisa? I am going well, actually. I've just come back from my, oh, nearly three weeks away, actually, in Byron, um, and I'm actually really refreshed, and I have been running. I haven't particularly been enjoying it. It's been a bit of a hard slog, but I'm back out there finally. Right. Not enjoying it. Is that just because you've lost fitness or is it too hot for you up there or what's going on? Or have you taken up basket weaving? (laughs) (laughs) No, it just, I, I think it was just, I actually had longer off than what I really acknowledged that I had off. I think I mentioned that last time that we recorded and just really not doing much for four straight weeks and then being quite intermittent with three weeks prior. I just really felt like I was back at the like at, back at the beginning and I was well I am effectively I was rebuilding so every run and because I was really also um just trying to get this injury sorted which it is sorted now but you know when you slowly getting back after an injury and you're so hypersensitive to it so you're not flowing well you're not moving well you know every run was building on the one before but it just left me, every run left me like sore. So I was mentally and physically battered after every run and getting back out there. And it just, it just wasn't pretty. Like I've done a few sessions and yes, they're all heading in the right direction. And of course I'm going to get back to where I was. Like, I don't think I'm far off it now, but it's just been nothing more than just a grind of having to rebuild again. So just like a computer, you've been turned off and on again and now you're all better. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit like my old Mac that we're recording on. It just takes a little while to get started these days. Yeah, that's exactly how it's been. But look, it's been really nice to have the time and the headspace and that time to recover as well. Like I'm not sure if I would be back running. So I'm probably going to end up at about high 60Ks this week. I don't think if I was you know, back into my normal working full-time and rushed busy lifestyle, whether I would have been able to ramp up that quickly just because I've been able to have like an afternoon nap. I've been able to roll out of bed at 7am instead of 5.30 or 6 and just stroll up to the coffee shop. Just really little subtle things have, I think, just aided in being able to sort of get back to where I was sort of prior to having that nearly seven weeks off. Very good. And you've had all of that time off and you're back into it and you're already running more mileage than me. So well done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, look, I am. And last time that we spoke, we had a bit of a debate or discussion about minutes versus mileage. And I am practicing what I was preaching, to be honest, and loving it, like honestly, really, really loving it and having a listen to a couple of podcasts whilst running. Um, One of those I listened to Zane Robinson's podcast and he talks solely about just running to feel and, and running to minutes rather than caring about how far he's running. And I've been really enjoying it again. So I definitely need to concede that I had become a slave to the Garmin and slave to the weekly, (laughs) what it said at the end of the week. And, you know, I've still got my Garmin on and it's recording. I think last week I ran, oh, it might have been the week before, I think it was 54.2, you know, like, and I didn't even really care. But, you know, if it 
rewind seven weeks, I would have been, well, I better run that extra 800 metres to get it to 55. <laughs> but how, like, and why, how, right? Just elapse, some arbitrary number. The, <laughs> yeah. What was the elapsed time, though, if we're getting back to, like, running for time? Was that, like, five hours of running or, like, what, what was it? I don't know, actually. That's a that's a oh. good question. It'd probably oh. be about five-ish hours, I'd say. Let me have, yeah, I, I would say it'd be around five hours. Oh, I can actually tell you. It was four hours and 41 minutes. Oh, there you go. How good a guesser am I? <laughs> and then the, the next week, which was last week, was five hours, 16 minutes for 60Ks. So slowly, slowly building back up there. Oh, very good. Well, I reckon we should go into your recap. But I just wanted to say I too did listen to Zane Robertson talking to Brad Beer on his podcast and, yeah, I took a bit away from that. So maybe, maybe we'll circle back around and just pick up on a couple of those points that he mentioned because I, I thought they were quite interesting but so tell me what your two Mm. weeks running in paradise looked like coming back from injury yeah sure well it started off where are we now we are uh, two weeks ago was the first gosh the first of july where has the year gone um no it wasn't actually i take that back (laughs) (laughs) that's three weeks ago i'm still in paradise Uh, sorry, the 8th of July to the 14th of July. And I'd actually wanted to trial doing my Sunday to Thursday training that um, it's spoken about. And I failed dismally on that first one. I missed the Monday runs. <laughs> that all pretty much went out the window. But I did my first sort of proper session, I suppose, on the Tuesday in Byron, there's this boardwalk for anyone that's been to Byron. You walk up this boardwalk. It's, it's quite steep as you're heading up to the lighthouse. And um, I love to do a hill session. It's about five. I've got a sort of 500-metre section that I run. And I did what I call hill cut downs, and I did eight of them. But the first one you run from you know point A to point B, which is your longest one, which happened to be 500 metres. But as you jog down, you continually – make the hills shorter so you're not going back to your original point you're just picking an arbitrary point along the uh, along the path turning around and, and running back up again and I love this session because you can do it anywhere it's not measurable it's still a good workout and I actually did it was 4k's in the end just that um, section because obviously get the jog downs as well and I actually felt quite good doing that uh I I don't even know what pace I was doing it I just sort of had the watch running continuously Um, so that session can I just ask you a question about that yeah that sounds really interesting because although you're cutting down the hill you're also cutting down your recovery aren't you on the way down so you're sort of doing a long hill and then cutting your recovery back so that wouldn't actually be it wouldn't necessarily feel like it was getting easier, at least early on in the session. Would that be the way that it worked out? Yeah, and also because you're cutting it down and it's getting shorter, effectively you're running quicker as the session mm. is going on. But exactly as you say, you're getting shorter recovery. It's a tough little session, but then you've got that nice mental reprieve going oh, well, I'm only running, you know, instead of running 500 metres this time, I'm running 450 or, you know, 400 Mm. or whatever it is. It's, I actually suggested to listeners, go out and have a go at that one, Um, especially if you're just not in the right, you know, headspace to go and do something where it's timed. You get a a pretty good workout doing that one. Yeah. How steep is the hill? Quite steep, but not Mm -hmm. too steep, (laughs) if that makes sense. It's a Goldilocks hill. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you're still working. Like it's not just a, a gradual rise. Like it's it's a hill. Like if you were to run up it mm-hmm. a few times, you, you're huffing and puffing basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's not a small rise. So that was Tuesday. The Wednesday – Oh, okay. So in classic Lisa style, I thought, right, I've got all this time. I'm going to do yoga. So I went to a morning yoga session. Uh, I then did a 60 minute run where I traveled 11 kilometers. I stopped right on the 60 minutes. That was just a damn hard slog, that run. I just, everything ached and felt awful. And then in the evening, I did another 60 minute yoga and like, you know, I haven't done yoga for I don't know how long. And I do two in one day and in my mind I've got this whole I used to be so flexible, let's just really push it and I bloody pulled my neck out. <laughs> so the next day I was at the osteo. <laughs> you should you should have stuck to basket weaving. <laughs> I just laughed at myself. Just typical Lisa. Just, you know, just ease into things, idiot. Don't go and do two hardcore sessions. And Byron is renowned for its yoga. So they're not just, you know, sitting there singing Kumbaya. Like they're quite tough, challenging sessions. And here I was thinking, yeah, I've I've still got it. (laughs) And I didn't. So I was at the osteo on the Thursday. After the osteo, I did a session. It was supposed to be four by 1200 of 60 seconds recovery. And I didn't do it. That's hard. Oh, Brian, I didn't finish it. (laughs) Not surprised. That's a tough session. I... I don't know what I was thinking. Again, just moron, really. Um, <laughs> and I did it. There's this great little path that I go along. And it's your, your coach is not setting your sessions at the moment, is, is he? No, You're I'm just making them up. I'm just off in Lisa land, just kind of <laughs> trying to get myself. Might be time to reconnect with coach, I think. <laughs> oh, dear. So off in Lisa land, there's... Um, it's great little path and it's quite undulating and, you know, it's it, it's a really nice place to run. So I did them on that and in my head I thought, right, if I can set off at maybe four-minute K pace and work my way down, hoping that that would feel really easy. So the first one I was huffing and puffing and it was 4.07 pace and I thought, I'm in trouble. Decided to just try to get sub four minute K pace on the second one. I got 3.58 K pace and I think I was pretty much redlining. Held on for dear life on the third one in 4.02 pace and after 500 metres of the fourth one, pulled the pin and just started laughing, going, what are you doing? You are not fit enough to be doing <laughs> doing this at all. So that was just really hard and really painful. <laughs> I had a break on the Friday because I was absolutely knackered from killing myself in those 1200s. And uh, then on the Saturday, I was going to go and do the Ballina Park run. And I just had this moment of why, you know, I had to get up at 5.30, I had to leave by 6 and just, you know, get drive down to Ballina, started at 7. And I just, I just needed a break from just such bloody rigmarole that my life is already in. So text you, you suggested a session, which was one minute, two minute, three minute, one minute, two minute, three minute. I did that, except I did it as one minute, two minute, three minute, three minute, two minute, one minute. I actually couldn't fathom going back down to the one to climb back to the three. I just thought, I'm already at the three. I'm happy to stay here and go down. (laughs) I did it on that same path that I did the 1200s on and Again, it was just 
bloody hard. Like it was sort of 350 pace for the shorter ones, um, 405 to 407 pace for the longer ones. And that session is hard. I was just spent by the end of it. And I think I sort of mm. text you saying three sessions in one week, I think was a bit too much for me. <laughs> just, just a little. Just a little. So did that. Um, I just ran for 60 minutes again on the Sunday and that was a grand total of 60 Ks. I did three yoga sessions. And one thing I did have time for was doing my um, boring hip exercises and hip stretches. So my old um, hip injury and ITB is actually feeling pretty good. Mm. Very good. Isn't it funny? Like the the little things that you do <laughs> actually help. And then that got me into this week. I'll just quickly go through that. I did get out for my Monday. I did an easy 50 minutes again. On the Tuesday, I actually did some more hills. I really enjoy running hills. And again, I just picked another arbitrary hill. It happened to be 440 metres, but I just picked two spots to sort of run to. I did four of those. I was starting to move a lot better by this stage. So I'm sort of, you know, a week and a bit back in from not doing much. So that was quite good. On the Wednesday, I had a shocking headache and I had to sleep it off in the afternoon. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't run then. And then I took myself, uh, finally, I faced the music and I went to the athletics track. There's a beautiful grass track in Byron. And I did another bloody hard session. It was... 1K, 800, 600, 400, 200 times two. And I thought, I, I set it out that I would run the first set in sort of four-minute K pace for the longer reps and then sort of work down to 350 pace for the 400 and 200 and then hope that the next set I could drop down to 350 pace down to 340 pace. That wasn't the case at all. <laughs> I did the first session in that four minute to 350 pace and I was moving well enough to know that if I wanted to cook myself, I could work down to that sort of 350 to 340. But I just really said to myself, what's the point? Like you're not fit. You've got nothing coming up in the, you know, in, in the future or the immediate future that really warrants this, it would be a good day if you managed to keep the times the same. And I did that. I actually pretty much ran identical times for the, the next set and had Friday off because we drove home. Today's Saturday and I just did a 16K run in the sun and it was amazing. I set off with having absolutely zero plans. I actually nearly pulled the pin in the first 500 metres because my calf was sore. <laughs> had a bit of a stretch and ended up running 16k so i'm okay. slowly making my way back brian so that was your long run for the week wasn't it 100 percent. yeah yeah so tomorrow's yeah, sunday yeah. i'm probably gonna do maybe 10ks no actually and was that your bad calf that was sore again yeah yeah but not mm. yeah so not not the popliteus that's not sore it's back to sort of that side calf shin area which um tends to be coming from my ankle i do have my amazing physio coming up this week i hope well, i'll just leave it to to her to tell you off for uh, training too hard and you come back i know right i know i know so <laughs> anyway if i do six k sorry 10 k's tomorrow you know run for 50 minutes it'll be about a 65 k week and 
I'm going to cap it at that for maybe the next couple of weeks just to, let's be honest, I've had both intensity and volume, which is an absolute no-no. I'm sure every textbook would prescribe one or the other. And I've gone and done both because, as I said, I've had time and et cetera. So let's hope I don't break. Uh, Yes, let's hope you you don't break. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want cranky, surly, non-running Lisa back again. No, we really don't. And do you know what? Like we're not going to because I had an epiphany whilst we're away. Maybe a bit of a meltdown. You going to share it? You going to share it? (laughs) I am going to share it. So one night we were watching this movie. Uh, I think it was called Wind, actually. True story um, about a um, young boy in a poverty-stricken area in Africa. And anyway, he developed a windmill and created um, a sustainable environment for his village, etc. And I was just sitting there watching this movie going, not, not the poverty element, but just how peaceful and how much time that um that he had to just use his brain and think and tinker and I just thought I'm so tired of the world that that I'm currently living in so there's a sea change in the air Brian <laughs> <laughs> very good there I like is the sound a, of this there is a sea change so after watching that uh the very next day we went to a house inspection and I'm just waiting for the yes from the uh, from the from the seller to have purchased a house in Byron. So um, it's not going to be an immediate move, but uh, the change is in motion. I just, do you know what? I'm just so tired. And it was funny, I was saying to my husband, you know, we're, we're going on these holidays every however long, every few months. We actually spend the first week as zombies. We're just exhausted, sleeping, just sort of moping around and by the second week we're finally re-energized and then it's pretty much back to the the grind again and um just got to the point where I thought, I'm just so over this like there's definitely more out there than just this constant bloody hamster wheel that we're on so <laughs> I'm getting off you'll find me basket weaving in Byron if that's what it takes excellent pop by and I have to say, say there's nothing wrong with basket weaving so <laughs> Very peaceful, very zen, very mindful activity. Well, and that's what I'm going for. So hopefully over the next, as we start this transition, it's probably going to take us two years, if I'm perfectly honest, because we still mm-hmm. actually need to finish building our um, our current house in Sydney and uh, we'll, we'll slowly transition up there. But I'm returning to... What is the population of Byron? I've never been there. Oh, look, I'm not sure. It's so transient. I think mm. it depends what weekend. It happened to be Splendour in the Grass as we were, uh, we were right. leaving, so there was a... a very big um, migration into Byron, uh, but I don't know the the permanent population. But it's you know, right. it's, is it is it smaller than Ballarat? Oh yes, much 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 right. smaller than Ballarat. But the weather is ten times better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm a cold weather runner, as you know. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I need to stay in my my refrigerated environment for for long distance running. Yeah. Success. Well, you and I are completely opposite there. I just thrive in that heat. So. Yeah, you'll um happy Lisa. I think, you know, by the time we finally get up there, maybe I'll just become a full-time athlete who's not actually any good but just runs all day. <laughs> 
runs and does yoga and weaves baskets. I like it. it sounds uh, pretty good to me. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I'm going well. There's lots of change in motion. And I was about to say, I'm actually returning to uni after I said that I would never, ever study again. And a career change is sort of in the in the waters as well. So I tell you what, give me two weeks away and <laughs> come back a different person. I know. Yeah, I know. Life, life is changing. So what are you going to be studying? Uh, I'm going to be studying conveyancing and the law. Um, right. Boring, right? <laughs> What, what, what's the qualification to be a conveyancer? Uh, are you going to be a lawyer? You're going to be go f- f- get, you, right? Okay. Oh yeah. Well, I think you can tack on a little bit of extra study and to become a solicitor. But um, right. oh, I don't know if I'm really up for that. To be honest, I might just be a conveyancer and live in my little house in Byron, just weave baskets you could on help, the side. Help people so. buy houses in Byron Bay. <laughs> well, so there's a lot going on for for me, but it's all positive and and change. So mm-hmm. yeah, watch this space. What about you? Have you been doing any running or you're still um I know you're a weekend warrior actually. You are the yeah, weekend yeah. warrior. I'm I am specializing in becoming a weekend warrior. Have been doing some running. I'll take us back two weeks to the week beginning July the eighth. And uh, looking at my, my, my little app with all of my running recorded on it and I can see that I didn't run on Monday or Tuesday that week and I can't quite remember why that, why that was but there must have been a good reason for that but um yeah during that week I only actually ran on four days so I did Wednesday Thursday Friday and they were all just before the getting on the train kind of jogs so literally like 36 minutes 36 minutes and 27 minutes yeah runs of just over 6k and I guess the last one was probably uh about 5Ks. So nothing too exciting in those. They're just keeping things ticking over. And I I sort of question the value of them sometimes, but then I'm actually running quite well when I do decide to do either a session or a longer run. So I think even if you've got time just to do something, whether that's 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 20 minutes, it's probably still helping at least keep to maintain some fitness and keep your body ticking over. Mm. And I missed Saturday completely because I had to go back to Melbourne because I'm doing some more study as well. And I had the orientation for my Masters of Education on Saturday. So that just wiped out pretty much the whole day. But I did manage to get in like a 20-minute gym session before I jumped on the train and went to Melbourne on the Saturday. And so I packed it mm. all in all on to, into Sunday, the 14th, where I did a run which lasted for about an hour and 50 three minutes and I Mm. covered 22 and a half kilometers and what I did was basically run the first hour aerobically and I'll sort of just bring up my little little split for that because uh, it wasn't quite an hour so I did about 56 nearly 57 minutes and covered um, just over 10 Ks at an average heart rate of 130 and an average pace of about 521 or two ish. And then I did a 40 minute unbroken threshold run. I've been slowly building up my thresholds from, I, don't know, I think I might have started with like a 20 minute unbroken run. And I've gradually just been building that up. So this time I did the 40 minute threshold after running for nearly an hour and I was able to cover about nine kilometers in that time, averaging just over 430 kilometer pace at an average heart rate of 155. And then did about 16 minute recovery jog home. So so what did I do? I ran 22 and a half K 
on the Sunday and I don't think I would have, I think I ran about um, 18K for the other three days that I ran. So <laughs> not quite following the uh, the formula of making your long run. What is, was it not supposed to be longer than what percentage? Uh, I can't remember, 20% of your total mileage for the week or something. But yes, it's forming the majority of my mileage at the moment by a long way. But strangely, it just Are felt pretty good. Fit? Um, yeah, actually, I, I, I ran through that pretty comfortably. I have to say mm. on on the Monday and Tuesday, I was actually a little bit, uh, had a bit of DOMS in the legs after that. And I, I'm guessing that's the, you know, the 40, 40 minute unbroken threshold section of that did did actually do a little bit of damage, which I wasn't that it wasn't terrible, but yeah, I just felt it a bit walking around and jogging on on the Monday and Tuesday following. But I'm hoping that kind of that kind of run will be good conditioning for the 15k race coming up the end of next week, um, and also the marathon later in the year. Brings me to yeah, the M word brings me to this week, and this week was a little bit weird because what did I do? I ran on the Monday morning, did about 30 minutes. And that was, again, just jogging around. I did a 24-minute run on the Tuesday. Wednesday, I had off. The Thursday, I was really struggling to get out the door, and I ran for, like, I think it was 19 minutes. <laughs> so that was a very short run. That's probably on the uh, in the case of probably not worth lacing up the running shoes for that one. And Friday, managed to do, like, just a 43-odd-minute aerobic run and which brings me to today where I went out and I was kind of, I've been trying to do at least something running a little bit faster at least at least once a week and yeah I just had the had the urge to get out and do something a little bit quicker today so I actually did that session that I suggested to you I did the one two three one two three but I could get my head around going back down to the one unlike you so but yeah it's 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 a good little session, that one. In my head, when I went out there to do it, I actually thought maybe I'll do that three times. I'll do one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. But after I'd done the second set of one, two, threes, I was just like, yeah, that's enough. I just feel like I've I've given myself enough stimulus and I wanted to save a bit for um, for my weekend warrior long run coming up tomorrow. So I'm hoping to get at least two hours done tomorrow out in the forest since I'm up at the Dalesford High Performance Centre at the moment. So those were... Probably did them a little bit quicker, maybe than what I thought about. I wasn't really looking at pace on my watch, but yeah, the first minute was like four oh nine. The two minute effort was three fifty four, and the three was three fifty four again. And then I went back down to one. And as you observed, I kind of tended to run slower in my one minute effort, taking a bit to get the old body going. And that was a 408. And then I was back down to 354. And then the last three minute, uh, I think I was starting to struggle a bit. That was a 407. So um, anyway, just got things ticking over. Most of that was sort of within threshold. So I think I only had, what was I had about two and a half minutes in the red zone for that whole session, which wasn't too bad so yeah just wanted to save a little bit for for sunday um but keep things ticking over but yeah it's sort of moving over the ground reasonably well and still seem to be pretty fit so this kind of haphazard running by feel running when i can fit it in it actually seems to be working for me lisa when is your 15k road race in ballarat uh it's next weekend okay what's your prediction uh well what i actually thought i would do is run it a bit like I've been running my unbroken thresholds at the moment. So yep. I'll probably start 
a little bit easier than that kind of 4.30-ish pace that I've been doing in those those longer unbroken ones and then hopefully sort of work into it. So, I don't know, my prediction would be that I probably average 4.30 kilometre pace for the for the 15Ks. I'm not quite sure what that adds, adds up to. What's that about? It's probably going to be about an hour and seven minutes or something like that mm. or an hour and eight. Did you do that last that range. year? I did, uh, but last year I actually did it as as that Adam Didick um, yeah, marathon pace test session, which is sort of like the 5K at five seconds under your marathon goal pace, 5K at marathon goal pace, and then 5K under it. So I, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm just going to do it more as a more as an unbroken um, threshold run, mm. which will give me the freedom to run it a bit faster than than what I did last year. So I predict I'll run faster than last year, although I can't remember what I actually did last year. But mm. well, I that's hope what you I'm, get that sort of thing's going to happen. Because, yeah, at least one of us will then have actually done a road race. <laughs> done a road race because it's been it's been a, been a while. Have either of us done a road race in this block? I don't think we have actually. I've done a cross country. Uh, no, I did the ten k, and that was sort of the 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 pinnacle, and then the start of my demise. Yeah, when I was a bit overzealous, yep. and that was, I think, <laughs> nearly over two months ago. So, it's been a long time yes. between drinks. Yes, indeed. So, so yeah, that should be good fun. It's in the hometown, so nice and easy to get to. Hopefully, it won't be windy, but I bet it will be. Um, so, <laughs> always windy at Lake Wendery. But yeah, it'll be good. Good to get out there and have a run, and hopefully, um, hopefully, running a bit faster than I did last year, I'll be able to kind of tack onto some packs a bit more because. Tell you what, running at my slowish marathon pace, I was really kind of at the back end of the field um, <laughs> last year. So I think if I allow, give myself the freedom to run a bit faster this time, I should be hopefully be uh, maybe mid, uh, back of the mid pack. <laughs> Might be a bit more shelter from the wind there, Lisa. <laughs> oh, you've got to stay there, Brian, because we need someone at the back of the mid pack. I'm not even running at the moment. Absolutely. I'm not in any pack. <laughs> You're not in any pack, yes. <laughs> Uh, very good. Well, should we talk topic of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we're going to have a chat about one of my favourite running technique subjects, arm swing, after this. So, as mentioned, I, I do like the topic of arm swing because we've mentioned a few times about my lurch arms and <laughs> various battles that I've had in trying to fix up my arm swing as I've spent so much time thinking about what's going on below the waist that I probably, you know, just never really gave much thought to what my arms were doing and they probably weren't doing much rather than sort of hanging quite limply at my sides and looking a bit like a Japanese marathon runner or, or lurch, whichever you prefer. And yeah, I, I just got back onto this because I was reading an article in The Guardian, which I think I sent to you, Lisa, which was just talking about the relative benefits of your arm positioning in walking versus running. Mm. It was sort of written up off the back of a scientific study, which I think it was eight people only participating in it and I'm not sure whether they were trained runners. Um, I think you were telling me they, what was it, they didn't even change speeds no, but they were trying they to pontificate like about speed, the, yeah, the relative benefits of, mm, they're trying to, trying to determine whether uh, or what role your arm positioning, whether you should have a nice bent elbow or have straight arms um, for walking and running and I guess for walking, you know, makes sense unless you're power walking to um Probably just let your arms hang nice and loose and relaxed at your waist. But for um, 
for running, as we know, uh, tend to see people, particularly those who are better movers, with a, a nice sort of crick in the elbow. Um, not sure whether ninety degrees is is the is the optimal uh, measure. I've certainly seen some people with with different angles to that. But what about what about you, Lisa? Where do you reckon your arm swing is is at? I'm probably. Oh God! What degree is it? Is it ninety degrees? Um, I have a very relaxed arm swing. Um, it's actually something that no one has ever said was was bad, but then they've never said it was good either. They've actually never said anything about it, so I've just had the assumption that it has been fine. <laughs> um, I reckon yours is pretty good. Yeah, like it's it's very much. I'm, I'm a rhythm runner is probably the best way to describe. So I'm often moving pretty well, um, except when I get tired and I have my hip drop. But yeah, even when I'm sort of sprinting or relaxed, like I don't, I, I wouldn't really say that I've got a lot going wrong if the in the arm swing, if there is a, a right and a wrong, because <laughs> all you have to do is watch the Olympic Games and see all sorts of shapes, sizes and weird and wacky arm swings going on. And you think, how are they managing to, especially in the distance events, like the marathon is a classic one. What is going on with some of those fast runners, like above the waist? Yeah, I know. There's lots of different ways to to get it done. And look, I've always sort of thought, well, because of all of that variability, I could probably tend to ignore my terrible arm swing because there were so many other examples of people who were at the elite level who had really strange um, swing, arm swings and certainly the Japanese have got this yeah. this thing about very, very low arm carriage, quite open angles at the elbow and that just seems to be a thing that's kind of uh, ingrained and trained into them. And it, look, it might even go back, and I'm guessing a little bit here about the time that that Arthur Lydiard spent in um uh, in Japan, training marathon runners there because uh, pretty sure he had a fairly he had he had an emphasis on fairly low and relaxed kind of arm carriage. Like a, you know, both of us have watched that great documentary with Peter Snell, and even for the guy who was the world record holder at the time in the eight hundred meters, his arm carriage was pretty pretty low and a bit lurchy. <laughs> Obviously, running a lot faster than me, and. The great Murray Holberg, who was the 5K runner who won won the gold medal in the 1960 Rome Olympics, basically one of his arms didn't really do anything because of a, an injury he'd sustained younger in, in life. So, yeah, definitely some different examples of, of uh, a supposedly non-optimal arm swing, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, do you know, I, I think if you're looking maybe at distances from possibly 1,500 down, a lot of the runners are very smooth and have... Mm. quite you know, visibly nice-looking arm swings. I, I don't want to use the words right and wrong. I'd say arm swings incredibly important in, in sprints. It's you, know, you don't want your arms not working or going across your body. You're losing a lot of power and momentum. Mm. But when you're looking from you know, 5 and 10K, most are probably pretty smooth movers, but you might start to see some variability. But you go into that marathon and – there is just a world of interesting things going on. So, you know, the, the study that you referenced or that, that article that you referenced, the conclusion was pretty much that there was, it was inconclusive, the evidence, and they need to <laughs> do some more research. <laughs> um, probably, probably get a bigger sample size than eight. Yeah, exactly. And maybe some running at some different speeds and across different distances. But I think that's probably more, you know, the conversation is, well, is there an optimal arm swing 
for you know a, a specific event? Because I'm sure if you took large sample sizes from you know each of those events that I spoke about, you've got very different arm swings for all those different events mm. as well. So what is optimal? Absolutely. Like is is there such a thing? Maybe there is something optimal for each event. It's possible, um, and I'm glad you mentioned mentioned the 1500 meters because I had in my notes here to mention Nick Willis. And I may have already told this story on this podcast before because I have a habit of repeating myself sometimes, <laughs> um, but. But I went to a coaching seminar about 10 years ago and I met Nick Willis's coach, Ron Warhurst. Warhurst? I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, but, yeah, he was explaining that he spent a lot of time yelling at Nick Willis while they were on, on the track, um, telling him to get his arms going. So he had a bit of a lazy arm swing and that was certainly something that he, that he and his coach focused on. And I think in keeping those arms ticking over, particularly when you're doing an event with such a high speed element like the 1500 meters it, there would be definitely be an advantage in um, keeping the arms going and maybe the arms are almost a bit of a metronome to increase your leg turnover at times uh, i don't know whether you've ever thought about ticking your arms over a bit faster and whether your legs will then follow that and I, i'm pretty sure that was what ron was trying to get at with um with his coaching of nick willis's arm swing do you know the time that i think about that is mainly towards you know more again on the track and more in that sort of 1500 up to maybe 5k when you're down to that last 400 or 200 and you even hear people say you know pump your arms move your arms mm. um and that's yep. that has often been a little bit of a cue for me to go change your style you know we're now wanting to mm. be more explosive you need to give whatever you've got until you know until the end to try and get your whole body propelling forward and and moving a lot quicker um so i definitely use that cue and, and change it for then i can guarantee you i didn't think about it once during the marathon <laughs> that was just <laughs> a, a a method of survival yep. so again for me it is very event specific I think so. And look, I, I think there's definitely something that people can try if they're looking for another way to try and get a change of pace, particularly in the kick down towards the end of a race. Just, yeah, try and swing your arms a bit faster. And yeah, if I had a dollar for every time someone had yelled at me to swing my arms, I'd probably be <laughs> retired by now. Cause, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure Rod Griffin's yelled at me a few times to swing my arms in, in races <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Oh, look, I think if you do want a good example of how not to use your arms, go and search for some of Brian's old running photos. <laughs> That's good. Although I, 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 would, I would like to point out, I reckon I've pretty much fixed it, which is not to say there won't be a relapse at some time in the future, but I've been working on this little exercise that uh, my old friend Mark Gorski gave me years ago when we were hanging out and coaching running technique together. Um, and it was something that one of his old coaches had given him was this um, exercise where you basically get a couple of um, dumbbells and stand in front of the mirror and you do lock your elbows at about yep. 90 degrees and literally just practice pulling pulling those, pulling those that arm back and then getting the, the opposite arm dumbbell up almost to your nipple. Yep. Um, so you kind of got that arm to nipple action. And I've just sort of every time I go to the gym now, I just do that at the end of the yeah. session. I love that exercise. Um, for a few minutes. Yeah, and I, th I think that's really helped me. And I've just just found that even when I'm out running uh, now, I sort of got a, a slightly better better upper body cadence would be the probably the way to describe it. And yeah, feel like I can hold my have a slightly higher arm carriage than I had before, and um, just probably a better rhythm 
overall. So there's definitely something something in that to try. Mm. Maybe and the other thing I was going to mention. Post a, a photo of a before and after of your arm swing so people can get some visual context of <laughs> old Brian <laughs> well, versus new Brian. <laughs> I'll have to have a dig around, see if I can find some examples. But, um, <laughs> You've de- yeah. demolished all the old ones. Yeah, there might have been some. There might have been some we got out of the Canberra Half Marathon, actually, that were slightly better than what they were before, maybe for some park run. But, yeah, one one other one that I was going to bring up was, and you mentioned marathon running, was some of the, I think it's in particular the Ethiopian women have a very, very high mm. um, carriage. Yes, um, very so true. If you think, if you think Tiranesh Dababa yeah. uh, and and colleagues, some of them, and and not a massive amount of movement in the arms, yeah. like literally just almost holding, you know, arms almost over their their chest, and you know, almost a lock, really locked elbow, um, very very tight angle. Yeah, you would have you would have seen that over the, over the years, Lisa. Yeah, and it's it's so um, when you see it, and uh, you know, listeners, if you're watching <clears throat> any of the of the big marathons, big city marathons, it's just it's actually so noticeable, isn't it? And if you have a big pack mm. where you have the you know the Ethiopian women with their high arms barely moving, and then you know the Japanese women who are also quite dominant at the, the top pointing the, the, the low arms <laughs> yeah. and kind of nearly straight. Um, yes, and you could argue that they're equally as talented. They're yeah. posting some very impressive, uh, incredible times. So, you know, is for the marathon what's going on beneath the hips more important, mm. um, you would probably yeah. argue, than, than above. Yeah, well, look, that's about the, about the only conclusion you could draw. And look, it's good that you reminded me of the Japanese as well because they typically run with very high cadence mm. and they're still doing that with with the low arm carriage. So maybe my thought about getting the uh, the arms ticking over faster, maybe that isn't necessarily something that drives cadence. There's something else going on, mm. at least for the Japanese. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one because I guess when you're talking overall running technique and ways and areas that you can improve, I've never really heard a lot of people talk much about you know the arms and positions and, and swing and, and what you should do there's certainly a lot of emphasis on the hips and the glutes and the core but not a lot on the arms and it, it's certainly an area that I've not personally given much thought to I know you have because um, I don't know what was going on with your arms there for a while but <laughs> <laughs> you'd needed to think about it but you know maybe I did. maybe some food for thought if people are looking for just some small tweaks that you know might might only help improve a little bit, but I'll I'll take any improvement yep. these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? And look at it's like probably like almost everything. Finding something that suits you and feels comfortable is probably what's going to be right for you. And maybe not necessarily thinking I need to have my arms like a particular person or at a particular angle, but get something that's um, comfortable and works for you. I wanted to mention one other thing that I noticed about arm swing, and this was actually in sprinting. Matt Beckenham, who's one of the top coaches in Australia coaches some of the top female sprinters and hurdlers. Mm. He he occasionally posts slow motion videos on his Instagram account, and I've just been looking at those recently, and I noticed that, um, particularly in the the arm backswing, that at least it seems to be a consistent consistent pattern with his sprinters. And I had admittedly haven't spent a lot of time looking at sprint sprinting and sprint mechanics, but their arms in the backswing almost straighten up completely, but then close 
um, as they're swinging forward. So hmm. I'm just wondering whether there's something about sprinting that, I don't know, maybe there's a bit of a recoil effect from the, the arm kind of opening up that helps then drive the arm back forward again, a bit like kind of, you know, loading up your um, posterior chain from below the waist. So I'll post up um, some links. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to link up a, an Instagram post in the notes um, to a couple of those videos that he's posted because they're, they're kind of interesting and uh, yeah, just something else to think about there. I'm sitting in the car right now actually trying to do that movement. <laughs> 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 I will say that I'm an awful sprinter. I have no speed, so I can't fathom really that whole action. Um, mm. So I will, I'll have a look at them. I haven't seen those videos. And look, I'm not saying that would be a good thing to bring into distance running because it probably wouldn't be very efficient for the longer races, but maybe it adds a bit of drive and a bit of power when you're sprinting. So uh, yeah, maybe I'll send Matt a message and see if he'll reply and tell us if that's something that is coached in sprinting and sprint technique. Who knows? Maybe it is. Mm. I'll leave that one to the experts because that is not me when it comes to sprinting. Yeah, me neither. So, yeah, we, we'll ask someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, that's given that, that topic a, a good going over. There was a listener question, but I think we're going to, I think I might hold that one over for the next episode. That was from Christian via Facebook. So, thanks, Christian, for posting that question. He was uh, asking about the differences between marathon and 10K running technique. Um, so I might take that one on notice and come back to that one next time mm. we record. And I might even come back to Zane Robinson as well at that time because he did say some a couple of interesting things, both about his training and also about technique in his conversation with Brad Beer. Mm. So we might um, pop those up as, as topics for our next conversation. So I've, I've got a race week coming up, Lisa. Um, mm. I've got to survive my survive my weekend warrior long run tomorrow and then I'll probably have a fairly easy week. I was about to say, are you going um, to taper? Is it possible to taper yeah. off 30Ks? <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think I might end up running 50, well, probably this week might be 55Ks or something, oh, so that would be a big week for me. Yep. But, uh, yeah, just be a nice, easy week, get some gym done early in the week for recovery and you now just roll up and, and do the 15K race on the Sunday. Mm. What have you got planned? You're back to the hustle and bustle mm. and the and the hamster wheel. I am. I'm back on that bloody hamster wheel. Uh, I'm hoping that I will purchase a house come tomorrow or, or, or the next day. Uh, that will make me very, very happy. I have actually entered the Sydney Harbour 10, which is on this coming Sunday as well, the same day as your 15K. And oh, it's the day after. I think. Oh, day after. Think, okay, so yeah. you're on the Saturday. I'm on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to race it. I need a couple of things. Um, one, I just need a bit of confidence back that I am not going to go to the well trying to do <laughs> some sort of longer, harder things. And I just, I actually, last year this was the race that I didn't finish, so I just mentally need a bit of a, a tick on the board for it. So I'm going to go out. Maybe just a touch over four minute K pace. Um, my plan mm-hmm. is to do a bit of a, you know, maybe start at four fifteens. Can can I can I just jump in there? Like, well, there, would there be? Would you consider just like running it to heart rate and running it as a, a threshold yeah. run rather than thinking about pace? Yeah, look, maybe I'll I'll see. I'll con- I'll consider it. <laughs> my plan was to start out at that 
<clears throat> excuse me, 4.10 to 4.15 pace, run, maybe sort of work my way down to 4-minute K pace to around 5K, hold four minutes for the last, you know, for maybe two or three Ks and, you know, hope to try and get down to sort of 3.50s for the last couple of Ks and hope that that all feels like comfortably hard. Um, and if it's all just feeling a bit too hard at any of that pace, then I'll just stick at that pace and just have a bit of a, you know, a, a hardish hit out without absolutely redlining. Sounds good. Mm. Sounds good. Well, hopefully next week we'll both have a road race to <laughs> talk about. about. It's only taken us, what, 10 episodes of this season to actually get a road race yes. to talk about. Yes. Um, so anyway, look, apart from all of that, I'm actually feeling – I'd lost my mojo there for a while as well. I think I'd pretty much said that every single week. I'm feeling like that's starting to get back as I'm starting to build again. Oh, I actually forgot to mention, I entered Tokyo Marathon uh, during oh. the last couple of weeks as well. So, Big news. Yeah, big news. I entered, I'm feeling a bit fake here uh, in the sub-elite category. Like I'm totally not sub-elite, but um, somehow my New York time has qualified me for sub-elite, but you, it, you've still got to go through the application process. So anyway, um, I think that gets announced maybe. I actually don't know when it gets announced. Probably a piece of information I should have paid attention to. Mm. Um, so when actually is that? Is that yeah, January? It's, or? No, it's March. It's like the first weekend March. in March. Okay. So I think that's why I've got a bit of mojo back. I... Mm. I had said a couple of episodes ago, I don't know how elites do it in getting up for, you know, race after race. And it was sort of a bit of a, like a, a awakening moment for me to go, well, first of all, I'm not elite, nor am I trying to be, but I kind of just need maybe one or two races a year that are like the special races and everything else is just training or, you know, just feeling like you're a part of an environment that you enjoy being a part mm. of rather than saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm picking this 5K race here and then I'm going to pick this 10K race. I just, I'm just honestly, I'm just too busy and too stressed and too mentally consumed to be able to handle all of that. And so I think that's why I fell into a bit of a hole. So, you know, last year I really enjoyed all of the training because effectively every race that I did was a tick in the box towards the New York Marathon. And I didn't yep. have any real sort of expectations on any of the races. You know, I set sort of some little goals here and there, but if I didn't hit them, it wasn't really the end of the world. And I just think that really suited the lifestyle that I currently lead. So that's pretty much where my head's at. So, you know, hopefully get accepted to Tokyo Marathon and um, just pinpoint a couple of, I don't know if key's the right word, but, you know, just little target races to see if I'm heading in the right direction along that path. Very good. Sounds like you're you're joining me in the world of goal-free running, <laughs> at least to an extent. Yeah, and, you know, these other sort of races that do come up, um, look, I genuinely enjoy being a part of them. And, yeah, it's just, you know, sort of as you're doing, do, use them as training sessions, be a part of the team. Uh, it's really nice mm. to have other people to be there um, and run with and make up the team. You know, you run for Ballarat, I run for my club, Athletics East, and that part I really enjoy too. So I, I certainly don't want to be training, 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 training for this one goal and sort of being a bit of a solo warrior. Um, I, still, yeah. I still want to be involved. I may just not you know, be at the pointy end of any field. It might just be making up numbers and I'm perfectly okay with that. Sounds good. Well, on that note, um, I'll be making up the numbers <laughs> next week. <laughs> uh, 
uh, we might wrap it there. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you next week.